For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Ah! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain, back with episode 60 of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Milestone number. No doubt. Episode 60. We got plenty to get to on today's episode. We've got some Georgia talk, obviously, as the dogs taking on Mizzou up in Columbia this weekend. Dogs a 14, 14 and a half point favorite. That's kind of where the lines fluctuated back and forth this week. Uh, so we'll dive into that here in a second. Uh, we're also just going to kind of take a look around the SEC and kind of just give a lay of the land after uh, week three, you know, heading into this week four, where some teams have some big games and uh, some teams have some uh, not so big games or some big lines like Alabama minus like 26 against uh, Texas A&M. And we'll get to Alabama a little later on as well because the uh, Golden Nugget, our friends, over at the Golden Nugget, have sort of kind of lined hypothetical national championship games. And uh, let's just say Alabama would be a big favorite in every single one of them. So we'll get to that. And we'll talk a little Falcons-Saints as it is Saints hate week as the Falcons host the Saints. Both teams not looking super great. The Falcons just ravaged by injury. And the Saints defense has been horrible. So again, we'll dive into all that. But first and foremost, your Georgia Bulldogs heading to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Mizzou Tigers and Dave and I have been talking about this game on the morning show and if you look at the two deep from both of these teams I don't think there's a player on Missouri that you would choose over a player for Georgia at the same position the only one I can think of well I guess there's two that an argument can be made for Drew Locke although I've heard you say this this week and I totally agree I think Jake Fromm's better than Drew Locke and maybe Emmanuel Hall at wide receiver, but Georgia's just got so many options at wide receiver, whereas it really seems like Mizzou's got the one. Yeah, I mean, if Hall played for Georgia right now, he'd be like, I mean, he could be just like Demetrius Robertson, where it's like Robertson hadn't even caught a pass yet. He's got two rushes, and so he's got two touches, and he does have a touchdown off of one of those, but that's it. I mean, Georgia's got so many players they've been spreading the ball around to the last couple of uh, weeks, and yeah, I mean, that's my sense of this game, too. It's that... Yeah, there are areas where Missouri is very good. I mean, specifically their offense and that passing game, but I don't think there's an area. what Whatever Missouri does well, Georgia does better. Exactly. So Georgia coming in at an advantage at pretty much every position. In fact, when you break it down even further, look at the defenses, not only is there not a starter on Missouri's defense that would start for Georgia, Georgia's second-string defense if you could swap them out, if, if if you were like, hey, Missouri, we'll give you our entire second-string defense, they would probably start every single one of those guys over guys they already have now. And that's not even Georgia's first string. Yeah. Um, this is they're, they're, They just gave up 614 yards to Purdue last weekend. So I don't know how you could really 
say with a straight face that you think they've got a chance to get a ton of stops on Georgia on Saturday. I mean, the, the thing that could hurt Georgia, it's always it's the unpredictable turnovers if anything like that happens. But um, that certainly doesn't look like a team that's going to be slowing the Bulldogs down. And, you know, they came to Athens last year and scored 28 points. I mean, I would, I would think that, yeah, they're going to put up points on Saturday too. But Georgia's defense certainly has a, a much better chance of stopping Missouri at some point during the game Saturday than Missouri's defense appears to be uh, able to stop Georgia's offense. Absolutely. And look, a guy like Emmanuel Hall, like we talked about, very good wide receiver. He's got arguably the best cover corner or at least one of the top three or four cover corners in the nation covering him, you know, basically being his shadow for this game. So it's yeah. going make things very hard for him. No, because I had to laugh uh, a couple days ago. I guess it was in uh, on Dog Nation. Chip Towers did uh, one of the deals where, you know, it's like the opposing view and he mm-hmm. had a little Q&A with, I guess it was their their radio guy. And uh, there was a question about Emmanuel Hall, and I'm reading the response. And in the response, he mentions, yeah, you know, Wyoming made a big mistake. They tried to cover him at times with a linebacker. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, George is not going to do that. So I mean, we're going to probably have DeAndre Baker on him just about every time he's on the field. So, you know, even if like the, you know, hey, Emmanuel Hall, he's a dangerous guy. And he did. He scored two uh, long touchdowns against the Bulldogs last season here in Athens. But um, we're not going to have a linebacker covering him. You know, I no. don't know how that happened that Wyoming did, but we won't, so that's not going to be a problem. No, it's not, and I think this Georgia team right now, it's almost, and I've heard some people talking about this, and I kind of agree, it's almost like what's scary about Georgia right now, they haven't even figured out their, their tried-and-true starters yet in, in a lot of positions. You know what I mean? There's been a lot of different guys getting opportunities. There's been a lot of looking at other guys, a lot of changing, a lot of shifting, a lot of substituting. I mean, we saw, like we said, Demetrius Robertson played a lot in week one. Never really seen him a whole lot since, whereas J.J. Holloman kind of came out of nowhere against uh, Middle Tennessee and uh, did uh, very well and had a very good game. So I I think you look across the board right now, and yes, there are obviously positions where Georgia knows who the starter is, but I still think that a lot of it, and because you've had a little bit of an easier start to the schedule and South Carolina was a much easier game than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, you know, I think Georgia still kind of figuring a little bit out in terms of some of these young players and getting them ready for a trip to LSU for some of the tougher games that are going to take place later on. Yeah, even like I think most of us probably would have assumed that Godwin was going to be Georgia's you know, primary receiver heading into this season, being the uh, senior. He had a really good year last year, but he, he battled an injury during training camp. Up, yeah. yeah, what does he have? One catch or two catches? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he caught one. He didn't catch. He didn't play against uh, Austin P. had one catch against South Carolina and I don't remember if he caught a ball against Middle Tennessee State or not. So it's not many, but that's the, you know, a guy like Terry Godwin hasn't really even gotten involved at this point. I mean, Hardman is really the guy who's been the the breakout star of the team. Fromm has been excellent. Fields is really good. And we haven't even really seen, I mean, really a, a, a lot out of even DeAndre Swift at this point. By the way, remember last week when we were talking a little bit about maybe Mecole for Heisman on this podcast? We kind yeah. of briefly mentioned it. Doesn't it seem like you've heard that a lot this week from a lot of different people? Yeah, I mean, it's... I'd like to say that we started that, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That was right here. Well, he's I mean, he scores a punt return touchdown, so he's going to have a chance to – I mean, he's going to have a rushing touchdown. He's already got a rushing touchdown. He's going to have a receiving touchdown. He's got a special teams touchdown. After the game, he said he wants to get a kick return touchdown, which that would be great. Yeah, but yeah I mean, th- that's the thing. For a wide receiver to be considered for the Heisman Trophy nowadays, I think you've got to have two things. One, you've also got to be involved in special teams. You know, you've got to be involved in the return game, whether it's punts, whether it's kicks, whether it's both. 
And then you've just got to have at least like one of those breakout spectacular moments in every single game. And you have to continue to put up ridiculous numbers. And Mecole's done that so far. Yeah, I mean, rack up the all-purpose yards, which you'll have a chance to do this season. I think one thing that'd be cool to see happen, and I guess it almost did in that first game, but have a guy with 100 yards rushing and receiving in the same game. DeAndre Swift, I think, will get that at some point. And, I mean, it just depends on his health, too. I mean, because we saw him barely play at all against Middle Tennessee. And we've really seen Elijah Holyfield kind of being the bell cow guy to start this season. Yeah, I mean, he's taking the reins. That is one thing, and, I mean, for for Saturday's game that I I don't think you can just dismiss is that, you know, Andrew Thomas, we don't really know right now how much, if at all, he's going to play. He didn't play last week after injuring his ankle against South Carolina. The reports out of practice so far this week is he's been limited, and Mm -hmm. Mays has really still been seen taking the majority of the snaps there at first team left tackle. Now, that's an elite recruit, but he's a true freshman Mm -hmm. um, playing what would be, what, his fourth game in his career. I mean, replacing Andrew Thomas, who was a freshman All-American and is just a stud over there on the left side of the line. And uh, I mean, even and, and then not having all of a sudden maybe DeAndre Swift and I, I, I mean, not not much is being said about uh, about uh, Swift and you know you could I guess that just leaves you to speculate. I don't think he was in trouble because he played. Um, you know, I guess there's a case to be made that the coaches were just, hey, we don't need him, so we'll just give him four carries and that's it. But I mean, I think I, I'd have to assume he's probably got some sort of an injury, and. Um, you know, because even in a game like Middle Tennessee State, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm going to hold this guy back because we don't need him to win this week. But four carries is still a pretty low total uh, for you know your your primary running back. So that's another thing to kind of keep an eye out for on uh, Saturday is, you know, what is the story with Swift and does he have some type of an injury and even maybe not have an Andrew Thomas going there too? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing. Georgia has you know not been immune to the injury bug obviously and I think the Bulldogs right now are just a team that again still trying to figure some things out that for the most part I think you're starting to see some things solidified but it's, it's I guess saying like trying to figure stuff out makes it seem like there's like an air of struggle or something and that's not what I'm really trying to say it's just that I think that there's so many options, and and we've seen what Georgia's done in recruiting, that there's competition constantly for these spots, and the coaches want to see all of these guys in live game action because no matter how hard you try, you cannot simulate that fully in practice. Yeah, no, it's like I I, I laugh every the early part of, of weeks after games these last couple of weeks because so many people get caught up in like, well, who isn't playing and why isn't this guy seeing it more? And right now, if you – if you subtract the two non-offensive touchdowns Georgia scored, the dogs are averaging like 40 points a game. Yeah, and they're rotating guys because, again, I think that they're just auditioning a lot of different players in you know these in-game scenarios. And look, they've had two games, and even if you include South Carolina where they dominated them, although, again, we didn't see Justin Fields as much against South Carolina. He, he you know That was more of a case of wanting to, to get your guy from that experience again in that kind of environment, but... I think that you're seeing a lot of auditioning. You're seeing a lot of competing for spots. And, yeah, there's just a, a little bit of a, of that sort of figuring out which of these guys is going to step in and as the stretch run of the season hits, who are the guys that are going to be in when it matters the most. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I, if, if Georgia's offense is humming like it has been, mm-hmm. I don't care who's scoring the touchdowns and who's getting the uh, the playing time. I mean, I guess I can, I can empathize with some of the guys that maybe aren't getting as much as uh, others, and especially if they've – been around like 
you know, like at Alabama with uh, with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I empathize with where he is. The guy's got like two losses in his career as a starting quarterback, but he's been replaced by clearly the superior player. Alabama scored 50 points uh, in each of their first three games, the first SEC team to ever do it. And I would imagine there aren't a lot of, a lot of Alabama fans that are worrying about, you know, well, is, is Jalen going to get in there and take a few more snaps? Uh, so whoever's playing now, as long as Georgia's offense is clicking, I don't care really how they're uh, getting it done or who is it that's that's scoring the touchdowns each week. Now, if Georgia goes to like Missouri Saturday and all of a sudden against a defense that was terrible last week against Purdue and the dogs struggle and they score like 20-something points, then you'll be like, yeah, well, okay, maybe we need Swift or we need that guy and we need to see more of them and you need Andrew Thomas back. But until I see that happen, I don't care who's getting it done as long as it's getting done. Absolutely, and that's the thing. You talk about the tight ends aren't getting this, or Georgia's not getting enough sacks, and you hear all these complaints, and it's like you're three and zero, and none of the games have been close. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this since last year, but since it's Missouri again, the it was the Sunday after the Missouri game when I turned on the Bulldog brunch with uh, with Jeff and and Kevin Butler, and I heard a guy call. And he started going over this kind of like list of things that bothered him about the game the night before. And about midway through, he did finally catch himself and realize and say, like, I realize I'm nitpicking, you know, over a game where we, you know, almost set a school record for offense. And it's like, yeah, well, okay, at least you, at least you did finally realize that. But if, you know, if at some point you're watching Georgia do what they're doing and you're not, you know, completely satisfied with the way they're doing it and, just, I, I would just recommend not watching Georgia anymore because all it's ever going to do then is just uh, let you down. If you can't, I mean, if you're if you're having issues with what you've been seeing the last year plus now, uh, I just I wouldn't watch it anymore because it ain't. Uh, it's hard to imagine it can get any better than what it's been. Now, you know, people always like to complain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, something that Georgia obviously going to have to uh, be dealing with. Uh, just kind of the fan base looking for something i guess to to pick at or to complain about but if, if that's what you're doing that usually means your team's doing pretty well yeah uh, yeah but if you're searching for those things you're always going to be looking i mean you're just ne- never going to be satisfied and um i mean there's there's only one more thing that georgia hasn't done since uh the season it had last year and we noted it they hadn't won the whole thing yet and uh, right. i do think that that's coming at some point but I mean, the, the the week in and week out ride now, seeing what this team is doing and the level it's performing at, I, I think there's, I think there are five teams. We're already three weeks into the season. I think we've already identified there are five teams that could win the national championship. One of these five teams is going to win the national championship this year. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, or Georgia. So Georgia's in that mix, I think, right now. Of, that's it. You got another one you want to add? Well, no, it's funny that you mentioned that because we can move on now to the Golden Nugget. All right. And what they think about potential national championship matchups. And basically what they have done here is just, you know, lining these hypothetical games at a neutral site. I guess Santa Clara is the national championship site this year, Levi Stadium, 
which is funny to me because they don't really care about college football out there that much. <laughs> no, it'll be funny when either Alabama and Clemson or Georgia and Clemson are playing for the national championship in San Francisco. Right. Or, you know, which Santa is, Clara. Again, a city, Northern California. I mean, they kind of care about it in L.A. with USC, but now that they got the Rams, maybe USC's market share is going to take a hit a little bit. Yeah. And especially because the Rams are actually really good compared to USC and UCLA, who are not. So that's something they have to deal with. And then in San Francisco, do they even have a college football team in San Francisco? I well, mean, they got uh, Cal. That's Berkeley. <laughs> that same thing. Just right across the bay. Close. Yeah. But no, I mean, you, you look at uh, Alabama right now, and according to the Golden Nugget, they would be basically a double-digit favorite over any of the teams that you just mentioned. Uh, Ohio State has the smallest line, Alabama minus 9.5 against them. So basically when I say that, they would have to beat any of these teams by double digits to cover the spread. All right, I would probably take Alabama minus nine and a half against the Buckeyes. Bama minus ten and a half against Georgia. You taking the dogs and the points. You know, Bama's the, just so good, and this is not a knock on Georgia I, when we I say know. this. Bama is light years ahead of even Georgia, Clemson, anybody. I'm I'm not as confident right now as I was at the beginning of the season if Georgia and Alabama meet in the SEC championship about Georgia, their ability to to pull that game out. But Georgia does have the second best odds there. Because Ohio State minus nine and a half, Georgia or uh, plus nine and a half, Georgia plus ten and a half. The next would be Clemson at plus eleven and a half. I'd probably take I'd, I'd probably take Alabama I'd in take that Bama. game too. And uh, Bama minus fourteen and a half against Oklahoma. I'd lay that as well. Oh God, Oklahoma wouldn't be able to stop them. No, yeah, absolutely no. not. So Georgia's the only one I think I'd consider, and and I mean I got it. Probably a lot of it is just like bias right now. That's the only one I'd consider just taking the uh, the points. Like th- before the season started, my my guess on what the uh, point spread would be in the SEC championship game, and keep in mind that that could be lower because that game will be in Georgia, not in California. So mm-hmm. you know Georgia and Alabama in the SEC title game that might not be ten and a half. I would thinking it's probably going to be around like seven seven and a half. But before the season started, I was guessing probably around like three and a half, four points, right around where the national championship game was. But I think the the public perception of Alabama now is just completely skyrocketed. It is. And again, nothing screams national championship like Alabama playing Clemson or Ohio State or Georgia in Santa Clara. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, especially if it's like these Southern teams, these deep fried Southern teams that are all the way out there. But so basically, though... They're sort of the, the they're they're agreeing with what I said. There's like five teams that could win the national title because those are the uh, odds you're getting right now. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I will say this: if Georgia does end up going and playing out in that game out there, it's a fun trip. I was at that stadium for a USA Columbia uh, Copa America soccer game. Beautiful stadium. I mean, I can't speak enough on how beautiful that place is. And plus, the hotel we stayed at was uh, in technically in San Jose, but that's all Silicon Valley out there. And uh, they have room service robots to where you can just, like, call room service and then this little robot, like, comes and knocks at your door and the little top opens up. And we just got, like, bottles of water and, like, a couple bags of chips. And the thing opened up and it's just got all of the stuff right there. Yeah. What if you tick that robot off, though? Hey, Do you I'm have not, to tip the robot? I don't know. You don't tip the robot. Ooh. What if you don't and it gets mad at you? Skynet Start might be lasers. activated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, hey, that's Silicon Valley for you, so that's a, a whole different area of the country. I know that, that Georgia fans just went out to the Rose Bowl, but 
I'll tell you this. Southern California and Northern California could not be any more. No, I love Northern California. Yeah. I've actually never been to Southern California, but I've been to Northern California a bunch. But Yeah, I've been to L.A. That's as far south as I've gone. But, yeah, I've been to you know San Jose, Santa Clara, San Francisco, uh, Pebble, like all that stuff out yeah, there. I've beautiful. done all that. Carmel, like all of it's so beautiful. So if Georgia does end up going out there and, you know, you're like, well, I paid so much to go to the Rose Bowl all the last year, it's like, Again, they could not be more different. Southern and Northern California is like night and day. Well, the tough part is, I guess the semifinals this year are what, Orange and Cotton? That so either correct, Miami yeah. or Dallas? Mm-hmm. I mean, Miami wouldn't be uh, – I guess neither one of those are terrible trips to make, but it's all about, oh, my gosh, we got to like go to either Dallas or Miami, and, and then, then if you win that, then you're going out west. And I know it's gotten very expensive to be a Georgia fan. And then what's going to happen, too, is like you know the airlines will be gouging like they did oh, last course. year. Absolutely. So. That's, why, that's why you uh, book trips to Dallas and Miami super early, and then you can just cancel. And go ahead and book one to Santa Clara now, that's or I guess right. San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. No. See, Actually, it's, it is a little cheaper to fly into Oakland that's if you true. want a pro tip. But I will say this. After Georgia won the SEC championship, I immediately booked passage to Los Angeles because I figured that all Clemson had to do was win the ACC. They would be the number one team. They would elect to go to the Sugar Bowl. So then you had, you know, Georgia being the, I guess, the 3C technically uh, with Oklahoma and and Georgia. And, yeah, of course, they were going to get put in the other game. But Clemson getting that choice, yeah, they were always going to choose the Sugar. So that's why I went ahead and did it. Maybe a little dicey there, but it worked out. No, I I felt like it it looked pretty like it was a lock that Georgia was going to end up in the Rose Bowl Mm -hmm. last year, and they did. But, yeah, if you waited until that next day after they announced it, yeah, then all of a sudden it's like four figures for just like sitting in the back of the plane. Delta ain't stupid. (laughs) No, and then I remember college football. Then I remember looking too, like, well, what if you drove to Birmingham or Charlotte? And it's like, no, they were wise to that. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say you you could. I think I I know some people that drove that flew to Vegas and then like rented a car and drove from there, and that might have been a certain way to get around it. Maybe flying into San Diego, renting a car and driving up. Yeah, I think Tempe maybe was something I heard some people might have done. And then honestly, you know, I don't know how far this would be, but, you know, if you're talking about Santa Clara, maybe you fly into Sacramento, maybe you, that might not be far enough away. Maybe Portland. I don't really know how that works out there. I don't know. I mean, Sacramento's a a bit of a haul, but I don't, you know, again, if it's a, if it would end up being significantly cheaper then it might be worth it in the uh in the end but i guess you could try oakland never mind that's a 10 hour drive what is portland to santa clara yeah i mean sacramento's not that <laughs> sacramento is it's a couple of hours yeah but you know i guess it would depend on what the difference in the price was yeah i'm trying to find sacramento uh california here to uh the drive yeah two hours and 11 minutes yeah so i mean that would be the play i guess if you were trying to get a little cheaper but i would assume they'd be wise to that as well yeah but we got a long way to go sam we're 10 and a half point underdogs to alabama that's right according to the golden nugget right um i did say we wanted to kind of give a lay of the land of the sec so far and we'll do that real quick before we dive into falcons and saints but i mean it's georgia it's Alabama. Those are the two clear top teams. I think LSU is surprising some people, although maybe Auburn wasn't as good as some people initially thought. Maybe LSU going to be overvalued from here on out because of their win against Auburn. It was a good win. I'm not saying it wasn't, but LSU didn't really do a whole lot offensively to win the game. I think Auburn made some mistakes 
Uh, I think Joe Burrow is a, probably one of the better options at quarterback they've had in terms of a guy that's going to take care of the ball. Yeah, they haven't turned it over yet in three games, mm-hmm. and that's obviously been huge in wins over Miami and uh, and Auburn. I still think that they're they're being yes overrated right now, but they've they've got the wins to back it up, and they're they're you know they're walking the walk right now. I think Mississippi State is the second best team in the West. Um, so. Uh, they've they've been impressive. They might have a tough game this weekend at Kentucky, though. But Mississippi State has uh, has won me over at this point more than LSU has. Even though LSU's got two better wins, because State, I mean, I don't, I don't know how impressive that win at Kansas State is going to end up looking at the end of the uh, year. I just don't think Kansas State is is any good anymore. Who's been the least impressive team in the conference? Is it Arkansas? Oh yeah, that's they lost four <laughs> they lost forty four seventeen at home to North Texas. <laughs> And and they and Colorado State is bad. They have one win. That win was against Arkansas. So that's yeah, that's a lock that Arkansas is. Which fan base is wishing more that they could fire their head coach right now? Arkansas or Florida State? I think Florida State because I you know because to me Florida State's got Francois. They've got Acres. And mean, Arkansas they, was already bad. Brett Bielema had tanked that thing. You know he put that into the tank. So they knew they were in for a rebuild. I think Florida State's kind of sitting here like. I mean, we still have should have talent. You know, they had a bad season last year, but Willie Taggart's made it look even worse. Yeah, I mean, I think they've they've actually got some players there. Where Arkansas, if you, I think you can blame Bielema for that. I mean, they don't have an SEC caliber roster, and that's no. the fault of the guy that uh, came before Chad yep. Morris. And then you've got a guy that's trying to do something different offensively, and you're not going to have the personnel for it. I mean, it's still that that can't completely excuse getting blown out at home by North Texas, but. I think you can explain that one away more than you can Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Arkansas definitely the most disappointing team in the conference just based on looking like complete crap in all of their games. Also, Arkansas doesn't have a turnover backpack. No, they do not. Yeah, I mean, that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. What is that thing like? A, it looks like a designer handbag, basically. It's yeah. like Louis Vuitton or something. They didn't. Uh, I don't think they brought it with them to Syracuse, though. Probably not. And no, in fact, they didn't because they didn't. They lost that game pretty horribly, thirty to seven. Yeesh. And it could have been worse because, like Syracuse in the first half, doinked a field goal, turned it over on downs in Florida State mm-hmm. territory, and then made a field goal. So they were only up three nothing. They could have been up twenty one nothing. So there's our lay of the land of the SEC featuring Florida State, which is a team we ended up talking about more than any of them. But that's the truth. I mean, it's it's Georgia and Alabama right now, and I think LSU is kind of hovering there and maybe even Auburn. But, I mean, other than those four teams, SEC's got nothing. Georgia and Alabama are playing in the SEC title game. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right, Falcons, Saints, coming up this weekend. Both teams struggling on defense. The Falcons struggling on defense because they're ravaged by injury. The Saints struggling on defense – just because they suck at defense. <laughs> but, like, last year they were pretty good at defense. But they've dropped so, back down. I, I know. What happened? But um, They should have lost to the Browns last week. Bottom line. Yeah. They, they, they got extremely lucky that that kicker couldn't make a kick. Didn't he miss two extra points and two field goals? Yeah, Zane Gonzalez. Yeah, he ain't on the team anymore. They booted him. Yeah. Now, the Saints started 0-2 last year also mm-hmm. and ended up winning the division and turned and turn out to have a very good team. You know, this year they're 1-1, one one, but, yeah, they – Almost lost to the Browns at home, which is pretty bad. I mean, almost losing to the Browns at home is slightly better than actually losing to the Browns at home. I mean, don't you think with like for like Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example, because he just blew them up in week one. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not as good as his first two games, but he's also, you know, not as bad as I I think there's a happy medium somewhere in there that what the real Ryan Fitzpatrick is. 
But for the Saints to allow him to go off like that was pretty surprising. Yeah, but I mean, then they torched the Eagles too. But here's the problem with Fitzpatrick. I bet if you go back and look at his career, when he's kind of been the backup, he's been good. But when Ryan Fitzpatrick has become the man, which it sounds like he's about to become in Tampa, because you can't go back to Winston with the start that he's had, that's when things start to go uh, sideways for him. So you do have to keep an eye on that. I hate to say, but I loved the Falcons last week. My two favorite bets in the NFL last week were the Dolphins and the Falcons. And, um, you know, the Falcons had the extra time coming off that Thursday night game. They had been dogged for 10 days because of the way they lost to the, to the Eagles. And I do think when, when, when teams lose like key personnel like Atlanta has, they, they do really rally from that, at least in, in one game. Big picture, long term. You're not going to be able to sustain that, though, because those guys, there's a reason why they were your starters. I mean, those are amongst the best players on that defense, Neal and uh, Deion Jones. And now Freeman is hurt, although the team is disputing the reports of how long he's going to be out. And now even Andy Levitre is is out. I think the Saints are going to beat Atlanta. Schweitzer coming back and starting worries the hell out of me because that yeah. guy was horrible. There's a reason he lost his starting job, and he has been atrocious when he's been in there. I think the offensive line is going to have to play very well this week. I, th- I think we're in for a shootout here. I really do. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the offense is going to have to click. And, um, and I thought Matt Ryan had probably one of the best games he's had at Mercedes-Benz Stadium ever this past weekend yeah, because, I mean, it was gut check time for him. He did the ru- he you know, ran for touchdowns. He, he got hit pretty hard a few times. He's just a tough SOB, man. I think, that, you know, Matt Ryan, is he the best quarterback in the league? No. But I love having him as Atlanta's quarterback because, especially last week, you saw why he's the best player in franchise history. Well, and that's the, a problem, too, going back to the first game of the season is how many how much pressure he's taken on yeah. in these first two games. But I worry about the Saints. In, and remember, the two games against the Saints last year were both kind of low-scoring games. But remember, Deion Jones had takeaways in both of those. Yeah, he had that pick, that memorable pick where he jumped up in the air and landed like on his back. He won the game. Yeah. And then even the the loss in New Orleans, he had one. The Falcons offense wasn't doing anything. He took one down about the two-yard line. And that's the thing, man. His ability to read the quarterbacks, that's what you miss most with Deion Jones because, you know, he is that quarterback of the defense. And his ability to kind of jump those routes and read what the quarterback's going to do Obviously, he's one of the best middle linebackers in the league, but he does that about as well as any linebacker I've seen, that telegraphing what's going to happen. Yeah, Breeze and Michael Thomas, though, have been hot so far this year. And then you've got the the pass-catching running back thing, which Atlanta Oof. struggles against. And now you got Alvin Kamara coming in. The, the Falcons are going to have to put up a bunch of points because oh, the yeah. Saints are going to score a ton. No, I, I would hammer the over in this game just because <laughs> both defenses are going to be struggling to keep up with both offenses Julio Jones injury though I mean that's one where they he was held out of Wednesday's practice we'll see what happens with him for the rest of the week leading up but that is certainly going to be something to pay attention to because if Julio Jones for some reason is out the Falcons definitely aren't winning this game yeah no I'm kind of I don't know I'm sort of liking the Saints sitting here right now and that's after loving the Falcons last week at this point whatever the Falcons do I'm just going to pay attention to them on a week-by-week basis I'm not prognosticating anything because they they just keep losing every one of their players. Now we'll send all our energy to the Braves. That's right. About to be in the playoffs. That's right. And uh, we already crowned them the NL East champs uh, last week. If they win three of the games against the Phillies this weekend, three out of four, it's over. It's over, yeah. Because so, the magic number is six. That is correct. And the Braves also do get to play the Mets for three games. So even if they don't win three out of four this weekend, if they like split it, they should be able to take care of the Mets. So. Hopefully, yeah. And I think the Phillies in between the series of the Braves are playing the Rockies. 
well, that helps because yeah. the Rockies are in that battle with the uh, Dodgers who just overtook them out in the NL West. Yeah, and, and fighting for the wild card, too. Yeah, so. we'll dive much more into the Braves next week here on the podcast because hopefully by then, by the time we record, they will have wrapped up the NL East and we can start kind of talking about probably taking on the Dodgers uh, if the Dodgers do end up winning the NL uh, West because you look at the um, the Cubs, I think are going to end up with the best record and they'll yeah. probably end up taking on the wild card winner. So you'll have uh, the Braves taking on the Dodgers, probably. And that's just something that may change. We'll keep following it here. But for now, the Braves in a very good position. Although the starting pitching, that's something we may have to talk about next time. Who the heck are going to be the guys starting for the Braves if they make the postseason? Oh, I think it's going to be Fultonevich, Newcomb, and Gossman. It better not be Tehran. Well, we'll save it. How All about right. that? We'll yeah. save it for next week. He's Chris Bram. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to episode 60 of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us the uh, five-star review. Rate and review. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And we'll be back again next week, episode 61. We're on the other side of 60 coming up next week plenty to get to we'll talk about georgia's big win over missouri yeah i said it because that's what's going to happen oh yeah and then we'll uh start focusing on the rest of the year talk about some braves maybe talk about a falcons win over the saints we'll definitely gloat about that if that happens this week and we'll have uh the dogs and vols which by the way georgia's gonna win that game too and it's already a 330 kickoff on yeah, CBS. yeah all right for chris bram i'm sam franco thank you so much for listening back next week with the crossover podcast right here on 960theref.com You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame on 960theref.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.